Hey, Sloth Egg Radio, Season 1, Episode 6. Six! We are back with Episode 6. Yo! Can you believe it? We've already done six of yeah, these? Yeah, I can. No, actually, we haven't already done. We've done Corona? five already. Corona? This is six. So we already done Yeah, okay. Five. This is the sixth one. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can believe that. It feels longer than me. Than it me. does, man. Yeah. It's crazy that we're involved in this whole uh, pandemic, and uh, somehow we've got a podcast out of it. Yeah, that's right. You should be happy for that. So you just heard um, the demo from Tactical Air War, or of Tactical Air War, that we did from the Animal Spirits record, or we did for the Animal Spirits record. Because we, we talked about this before. We do demos, like real demos. We come down and do demos real and then demos. we do a record. Yeah. Uh, instead of putting them out as demos. Of course, we put out demos in, in the past as well, which we played some of on here in the early 90s. But, but today, um, so that was Tactical Air War. And I guess that was done in, uh, let's see, I guess 2009, 2010. I don't even remember which anymore, is man. three of us, yeah. Yeah, that's just the me, Mike, and Harry in this uh, room? version. Maybe? I, I think so. Yeah. I think that's what it's from. It's just when we were fleshing stuff out. Fleshing. fleshing. We, were, we were down here fleshing out. Yeah, the three of us. It was great. Yeah, we were <laughs> oh, boy. Um, that's what I say, man. Slaufeg uh, in, in this room. It's where it all comes together. You know, it's where, it's where we all come together. Yeah, Flesh, fleshing it out. Yeah. Anyway, uh, on this uh, week's episode, ooh, we've ooh, got ooh. a variety of things to uh, offer, uh, things that we've talked about in the past, and uh, some kind of fun stuff that uh, now that we've done this a few times, we're kind of digging a little deeper in our collections and bringing stuff out that I know I haven't listened to for a long time. Which is what, how I find all these like weird demos and stuff. I'm like, you know, going through stacks of CDs and and weird tapes that I find in my bedroom and under underneath the heavy boxes in the garage and stuff. And uh, these are the things I come up with. Uh, first thing we got up on uh, the uh, track. Oh, we got hard hard binger, yeah. Hard binger. Yeah, yeah. We did some searching, man, and and uh, I did, I discovered some really pretty cool stuff last night. Well, I listened to some of it, and it was awful. But uh, <laughs> like you know, a show done in like 1997 in some weird place in like Concord that someone had a happened to have an MP3. Recorder there. Show? Yeah, like it's it's got we did like Jimi Hendrix covers. <laughs> There's like nobody there. We're like, fuck it, we're just gonna do really? Jimi. That's we did awesome. fire. It really? sounds really funny. Yeah, I can <laughs> bring that down. That's awesome. That's it. That's a preview. Next time we'll we'll bring down a, a cover of Fire done in like Hobie's Roadhouse or some weird place like that. Uh, where I there found, was five uh, people there. Yeah. I found uh, a live recording of the last time we played at the Paradise Lounge. Oh yeah, oh that's pretty. Oh, that was a rough one, but yeah, yeah it was pretty. There's a rough. video of it. It's kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. say that, but Maybe, um, okay. We, we at this show in Concord, we did Herbie Hancock's um, Chameleon. That's awesome. And dude. we did Fire because we we knew a few covers and we were bored and we had actually at that point around '97, I think we were fiddling with the idea of doing a cover set to make some Being money. A funk at band? Like a, no, going way out and doing like a yeah, doing some. You know, a set of covers for on Friday nights for girls to dance to. Which you, if you get far enough out there to like Vallejo and Concord, you could meet some Vallejos and dance to. You know, Vallejos. but we never got around to it, of course. Um, but so I found uh, some old weird demos, and but right now we've Adrian found the Harbinger that is from Lansing, Michigan, that we talked about two episodes ago, or Harbinger as I as I refer to them. Uh, we found their uh, their CD, I guess. Yeah, you know, it's weird. There I can't we play a CD. I can't find really anything that says what year this was on. It says, um, oh, here you go, uh, 2009 Planet Metal Probably Records. Probably the last time we were in uh, Lansing, Michigan. Yeah. 
Yeah, Michigan, uh, what a place. Actually, the crowds are really good there. I mean, everybody oh, was super everybody into was, it. Yeah, it was, it was a good, it you was know. A good deal. Yeah. I mean, even like 10, 15 years ago, all those kids were wearing their battle vests. They were getting and, wild. And going crazy in the parking lot and stuff, you yeah, know. They were 80s obsessed, as we, as we talked about. <laughs> 80s obsessed. So we're going to play Har- Harbinger, and we're going to do a little Broke Us Helm from their first album, uh, Into Battle, as well, to celebrate the great Bob Wright. Yeah! Okay, so this is Harbinger, Drivers to Hell. Let's go. 
Helm. Good that stuff. was um, the first song on Into Battle. Oh, uh, no. Yeah, yes. Into Battle. Into Battle, yeah. <laughs> Metallic Fury. Metallic Fury. I don't even know what we're doing. Metallic Fury. And before that was Harbinger. That's the fun part. That's the awesome. funnest part. That's the funnest part about this podcast we is we don't know, know what we're doing. And we're putting out a podcast. I played that song uh, there, um, Metallic Fury, because it's like you can't find that record anywhere. Um, Stream right Hammer? Steam Hammer. It's, it's, Steam it's, Hammer it's, Records. It's, uh, yeah. It's, um, Division of SPV. SPV, Steam Hammer, yeah. Made in West Germany. Yes. And that's from 83 or 84? Does it say? Um, it doesn't it say, say on here, no. That's the great Bob Wright right there doing his thing. Um, and uh, we're gonna, what we're going to do now is uh, play some, uh, well. <laughs> Switch genres. These are to play some low-budget. Uh, punk stuff. Um, and let me see what I got. Uh, we're going to play a local band called Butt Problems. Uh, that is from... Uh, local to Pennsylvania, Burl. right? No, no. Or San Francisco? San Francisco. That's ah. a contemporary band. This album called Kill Em All. Okay, we just what? decided to call their album Kill Em All. Because they're, they're punk rock. They're that punk rock. They don't care. Um came out uh, on Cold Fantasy Records about a year ago, I think. Oh, it's recent. I think I see them live. Yeah, yeah, this is recent. Butt Problems is. Oh. But the, the, the other one is from 83. You know, the, 
I, I didn't know this was recent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's butt problems. Cool. Uh, um, they're. I don't think they still exist, but uh, I got to do sound. Because they for got them. butt problems. <laughs> yeah, prob <laughs> I don't know. Ah, yeah. <laughs> waka waka. Yeah. Um, well, maybe they do. I don't know exactly why they're called that either, but. Um, Oh, a bunch of punk bands back then, the original punk rocker. <laughs> and uh, Greta Brinkman was in this band, who is from State College, who... Went on to be went, quite a success. Went on to be, well, I don't know if, yeah, I, maybe not in the material sense, but she went on to be a, uh, uh, you know, uh, a name in, 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 I guess, punk rock and just rock and roll. She played with L7, she played with Debbie Harry. Debbie she played Harry, with, yeah. what was that other band that you... Pig something or other. Pig uh, face. Pig face, yeah. She also endorses Galen Kruger amplifiers. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so she's just one of her early bands as well. Uh, Greta Brinkman. And there is a bunch of, another couple people that I vaguely knew. These people were a lot older than me. I was just a little baby back then, uh, 13. But the band that evolved out of this was called Positive Hate. And that was uh, Positive Mike Hate. Positive Hate. <laughs> Mike Begnall on drums and Anthony Allen Begnall. Uh, who we played? We played his band two weeks ago with uh, that was uh, Jesse Malone. Jesse Malone, and they, then eventually they started uh, Sausage and then Heart of Darkness, and I was in Sausage and Heart of Darkness. So I know it's all very exciting for you. Who don't know what I'm talking about, oh, but exciting. it's, it's state college history, punk rock. We're gonna we were gonna play I Hate Penn State, but actually. Uh, that song uh, isn't nearly as interesting to me as... Um, I think it would be kind of fun if people sent us stuff and yeah, we played it and talked about it. So if anybody wants to send, send us... Your and yeah, send your punk albums in here. Yeah, send us your punk Your hardcore records. bands from your... Oh, you don't know, you're asking... I don't know. You have to be careful what you ask for there. It might That'd be, be fun. That might get a little dangerous. Um, but uh, this song's called uh, Not Anymore. And it was, it was a bit of a hit for them in the local scene. I remember that. This is the song everybody knew from Wasted Talent. So... That's what this is. Not anymore. Okay, this is wasted talent. Not anymore. One, two, three, four. I used to be oh yeah. I used to be oh yeah. I used to be oh yeah. Part of a family. I used to be oh yeah. I used to be oh yeah. I used to be oh yeah. Part of a family. I used to be oh yeah, I used to be oh yeah, I used to be oh yeah, part of a family. I used to be oh yeah, I used to be oh yeah, I used to be oh yeah, part of a family. They don't want me, I don't want them, I don't wanna be part of a family. They don't want me, I don't want them, I don't wanna be part of a family. I used to be oh yeah, I used to be oh yeah, I used to be oh yeah, part of a company. I used to be oh yeah, I used to be oh yeah, I used to be oh yeah, part of a company. I used to be oh yeah, I used to be oh yeah, I used to be oh yeah, part of a company. I used to be oh yeah, I used to be oh yeah, I used to be oh yeah, part of a company. They don't want me, I don't want them, I don't wanna be. Part of a company, they don't want me. I don't want them. I don't want to be part of a company. I used to be oh yeah, I used to be oh yeah, I used to be oh yeah, part of society. 
we're punk rock too. Yeah, we do punk rock too. Yeah, that was us. Uh, that was blending in. That was a cover we did. It's the B-side for the Laser Enforcer 7-inch. But that was a song by Government Issue that I always really liked. Even though, as I said in an earlier uh, broadcast, that I am not a big fan of the Discord label. Uh, but I do. <laughs> that The DC band, uh, Government Issue. Um, that record. I can't remember the name of that record. Was it just Government Issue? Their first album, which is awesome, I think. And uh, that was the first, thank you, that was the first song on it. And uh, I said, why don't we do this? Let's do it. We played it live once, too, and no one understood. Because they're like, you're not a hardcore band, bro. But um, We played it more than once live. Well, okay, we played it. Did we? I don't know. Maybe we did. Uh, we yeah, opened really for it at, 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 at uh, the Eagle, and it confused people. But anyway, um, I always loved that song and that record. And so we're like, let's do a hardcore song. But uh, it is a hardcore song. The other two you heard were punk rock. That was, once again, uh, Wasted Talent. State College PA, that 1983 record that they just reissued uh, a year or two ago. It's called Wasted Talent, and that you heard... Uh, Wasted. Wasted. Not anymore, and then you heard Butt Problems. Um, that stuff was pretty band, funny, man. You heard uh, Nursing Home, so... Yeah, I like it. Yeah. How was that recording, uh, that hardcore song? Where did we... Was that in this room or no? That was that was so old in? that we you we did that in the old room on Cesar Chavez Street okay. with the old uh, cassette recorder. Uh, ah. La Laser Enforcer was done on the half inch eight track Tascam thirty eight, and yeah. blending blending in was done on the uh, Tascam two thirty eight. There were different machines. Different I guess machines. it was done at different times. I guess yeah. different machines. Yeah, that blending in was like really old. We did that a long time ago. Okay. And when we were putting out the laser enforcer, I was like, man, I want to dig something up and just throw something just completely okay. rad on there. Just throw something on there. Throw yeah. something completely rad. Speaking of completely rad things, what are you gonna play? High levels of rad. While we're at the punk rock theme, uh, let's keep it going for a little bit. This is Johnny Thunder's Born to Lose.
Sodom. Sodom from With, uh, Mortal, Way of Life. Mortal Way of Life. Outbreak of Evil. Outbreak of Evil. That album is, I think it's 1985. I don't really pay uh, attention. 1988. Another 80. album on Steam Hammer. Yeah, Steam Hammer. It's a Steam Hammer day. Okay, it's 1988. Yeah, yeah. Steam Hammer. That album, um, as, you, as you just noticed, uh, is not in the best of shape, unfortunately, because it had been through the, the fire, like all the, the fire at my house 11 years, 10, uh, whatever it was, nine years ago. I don't want to keep talking about it. But the vinyl survived. The cover looks like hell. Um, great. Yeah, and then before that was the uh, Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers. Yeah. That was um, <coughs> that was off the LAMF vinyl. Um, Jungle Records. It was uh, 1977. And uh, some pretty cool stuff on there. And we kind of used the Sodom to transition back into the uh, metal. Back, back into the metal. So, uh, but before that, we're going to get down with some Q&A. Um, we got an email, or I or no, we got an email. Yeah, Spence uh, Marino, longtime listener, first-time caller. He um, wanted to know uh, a couple of things. He sent an email into the band at sloughfeg.com. He wants uh, Mike to talk about death sport, <coughs> because in the Down Among Dead Men liner notes, it's the inspiration for Death Machine, and is also referenced in more than one song on Digital Resistance. He says, Mike, why is this movie such an inspiration? <laughs> I've never seen it, and I can't find a copy anywhere. However, the pics on the internet look ridiculous. 
total late 70s, early sci-fi cheese. So please, give us the story behind Death yeah. Sport and maybe recommend other Roger Corman movies to check out. Well, there's one about girls. There's uh, one about girls. There's one called Girls, not Girls on Film, Girls on Fire or something. I don't know, Reform. It's about some girls in a in another Roger Corman movie. It's a sexy movie about these chicks in a uh, all-women's prison. I can't remember the name. I think they're about reform school girls or something. I don't know. But they're all beating the hell out of each other and dressed in, like, you know, like uh, furs or something. I don't know. But uh, it's funny. Know, I, st- I saw Death Sport was on TV the other day. It was on uh, what? Yeah, it was on Comcast. Sure, it wasn't Death Race. No, it was Death Sport. Okay, so Death yeah. Sport, really? It was gnarly, dude. I was like, it's wow, totally this is cool. gnarly. Death Sport is actually a sequel to Death Race 2000, as most people don't realize. Uh, Death Sport because it didn't do nearly as well. It didn't do well at all. Uh, David Carradine was in it, and um, a bunch of B actors, and it was really, from what I've heard, there's a bunch of porn actors in it actually. Uh, and it's they decided Roger Corman decided to do uh, instead of a movie about cars, a movie about motorcycles. So, but the the budget is so low that he get you know he couldn't get he wanted you know he couldn't get Stallone to do it again or any of those people because uh, that Rocky had come out already or something like that. So he he got David Carradine and uh, it's just it, he, you got it right, pal. It's really cheesy. <laughs> You can see it. I think it's all on YouTube now. I think it's, it's got great sport. scenes, though. The 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 cinematography is pretty fancy because it's just like, like just really like in your face and like well, action sequences. No, it's stuff. fancy. It's just fun. Yeah, it's yeah, just it's really it's fun. cheap fun. Yeah, uh, it's not. I mean, it's inspirational because it's so brutally <laughs> cheesy. But um, I saw I saw it in the video store back in the eighties. I used to see uh, the video cassette in the you know in like the video store. And my friend and I always do. Oh my God! Someday we got to get that movie. That's so cheesy looking. It had David Carradine and some like kind of hot but cheap looking, you know, porn actress sitting on this motorcycle that had this really like cheesy looking um, cardboard sort of or paper mache or something. Just it was like a, a motorcycle with like this sort of seriously uh, cheap looking front on it, like just like a. I don't even know what you'd call it, like this silver-painted sort of little thing over the front, and um, windscreen or something. And so one day we finally rented it, and we were just in stitches laughing over this thing because it's so, there's so many hilarious lines in it. I am my only master, you know, and all this stuff. And uh, I don't know, check it out. It's on YouTube, Death Sport. So the cool thing, though, is that uh, years later, when... Some guy whose name I can't remember in Europe decided to put, you know, he was like a German guy or something, said, send us an email in around 1998 or 9 or something, said, no, no, excuse me, excuse me, 1990, did I say that? 98 or 99? Yeah. He said, okay, I think I said it. He uh, (laughs) is going to do a sci-fi heavy metal album with a bunch of bands doing uh, songs about their favorite sci-fi movie. And so ah, I was like, oh, Death Sport, you know, why not? Because you know, everybody picked all the other big ones and, you know, Blade Runner and everything. So I said, let's do a song about Death Sport. So I rewatched the movie and came up with these ridiculous lyrics involving all the characters. And, you know, I am my only master. My mother was O'Shea. These are all O'Shea, Kaz O'Shea. These are all characters in Ankar Moore, all these people. Rain, range guides. David Carradine was a range guide. And... Uh, 
I ended up, uh, we had like a week to do it. We had no time to do it at all. So funny, uh, I, back when there was answering machines, no cell phones, I recorded a couple riffs, you know, that I had been working on. And I sent them to John Cobbett on his answering machine because John was in the band at the time, obviously. And I, I called him and I played it into the phone. And I played like several riffs I'd written. And he called back and said, those are pretty cool. How about this one? Over the phone. So we sort of, even though we were living like 20 blocks from each other, we sort of, <laughs> you know, we wrote it like as if we were in different Before countries. the days of Zoom. Yeah, before the days of MP3s. And um, then we got together with Greg and we worked it out, you know. And w the fact that I always said it became a really good song, uh, g good arrangement, all that, because we had very little time. We had like a week to do it. So that was with Jim Mack on bass, right? Jim Mack was just, yeah, just joined the band, I think. And then he came and played bass. And it was funny what happened because I called Justin Phelps, our engineer. He's like, dude, we got to do this song in the next, we really got to record it in the next week and a half. We just wrote it. Uh, it's about motorcycles. We need some cool sound effects. And I would call him up sometimes when we need to do a recording session for like a one-off like that because he worked at Coast Recorders, which is a pretty, pretty big recording studio, a big money kind of place. So it cost a lot of money per hour back then. But what would happen is you'd get like bands like the Melvins or even, even like what Chris Isaac was the one we ended up. Uh, these sort of rock star guys, uh, I can't remember who who else was in there but the, they would rent like an entire month out of the, the studio or more and then the days they wanted to take off within that month they'd try to sell out for you know a cheap price the studio would sell the time cheap so we went in there to do death machine and chris isaac's equipment was everywhere and we kept getting tempted to use it you know but probably has <laughs> good stuff like, well you had good stuff if you want to play like you know vibro sounding you know vibro vintage vibro lux you know but um but uh, so we went in and, and uh, we did all this. Uh, we had, a, you know, as long as what, he took a day off, 24 hours. I think I remember he had a cold or something. I don't know what it was. And so we went in there and we just went through recording. But we had, we, had a, we had a long period of time to do it. And then we threw in all those cheesy sound effects afterwards and it came out great. So it was done before the Down Among the Dead Men album. But when we did Down Among the Dead Men, we liked the song so much that we stuck it on there. And so we're going to um. play that right now. And the funny thing is we were just talking about some of the records we're playing, um, how on the label of the record, it doesn't say if it's side one or side two. And, and that doesn't track either? Listing. No. Down Among the Dead Men no, doesn't say Down that? Among the Dead Men on Doom Planet Records. Well, there's some picture of me yeah, standing in England with a chain around my yeah, neck. The other side just is that what it had? Yeah. yeah, and the other side just says Slaufig. It doesn't even have Really? Uh, yeah, well, I guess, I guess we didn't really do our homework either. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Death Machine. I 
Uh, record skipping version yeah well, you know that that's one of the that explosion at the end is really funny because we the song has several explosions on it because if you watch death sport uh there's a lot of expl- a lot of motorcycles uh you know uh racing around and these big explosions often for no reason at all they just you know and um so when we were making that record when we were mastering it later uh, for the Down Among the Deadmen album. We were mastering it with the rest of the songs. And uh, <laughs> there, was a par- there was a drum part, Greg kept saying, before we even got in the, the studio with it, he's like, oh, I don't know, should we re-record Death Machine? Oh, I was like, yeah, no, no, he, so- he told me about that. It sounds so great, you know? We ought to use that version that we did, you know, uh, for the, the sci-fi compilation, which actually never came out. That sci-fi compilation did ne- ended up never coming out. So we put it on the Down Among the Deadmen record, and Greg was like, yeah, but I really... Uh, there's that one part I really don't like. I was doing a drum fill and I flubbed and I couldn't hear what it was at all. I thought it sounded fine, but but he was like, "You hear it in the studio? He played over, back, back again while we we're mastering. No, that I can't deal with that. Oh, I messed up there. Is there any way to like, you know, you can't fix the drums in the mix? So eventually, I was just like, "Dude, just throw an explosion over it." And that's <laughs> a like, classic way to do it. All right, well, let's try it. I didn't. I never heard of anybody doing that before, but I'm sure someone has, especially on a metal record. So we just and at the end there, when it's coming out of that fast part. Out on the wasteland, I got more. And he's like, "That's ah, fine. You, you can't tell there's any problem there." I couldn't tell anyway. But um, and so we got in this bad habit of doing that when there's something in the music we didn't like that couldn't be fixed in the mix, like on the Traveler record or you know a couple records we did. 
It's like, oh yeah, just do the do the death machine. Just throw an explosion over it, you know. So Man, sound effects were made to to have fun with. The cover. See, that's what you don't realize. Some of your favorite albums that have ridiculous sound effects on them. They're actually to cover up things that they couldn't fix in the mix and people screw up. Just cover up a bad splice on the tape or whatever. Speaking of splices on tape, we've got some more Q and A here. We've got uh, Joel Simpson from Taiwan, uh, longtime yeah. listener, first time caller. He emails and says, uh, I want to ask about Tactical Air War on the Animal Spirits album. Was it written with Bob Wright vocal in mind? Because, boy, does he kill it. Or was that something that just happened to fall into place? What are the lyrics based on? Okay. Tactical Air War. Well, okay. that was uh, that was a riff. You so wrote the, the music to that yeah, song, the right? Yeah, 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 I came in and I was, because it was a, uh, actually, got the funny thing, I got that riff from a book. <laughs> that you I was stole it. <laughs> well, it was like this. It's a like book? this exercise for piano and stuff. It's like a scale. It's p it's a piece of Played a scale. Yeah, but it's like. That's awesome. And it kind of goes up and up and on the piano. And so, because at the time I was playing a lot of keyboards and stuff. Most of our best riffs are stolen, like any good heavy metal band. And I was playing on the organ actually. And uh, so I was pr trying to practice that scale and going up, 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 and up because uh, it's, it's, it's an exercise where you go all the way up the keyboard using uh, white keys and black keys. And really? So you only yeah. use the white and the black keys? Well, it's, it's, <laughs> a, it's an exercise to incorporate <laughs> no, the two of them, you know, because sometimes it's like it's too easy to write riffs that just use the white keys, you know. So, um, so yeah, so I, you know, learned it on my bass, and I was like, oh, man, I'll play it real fast. I'm going to play it real fast and show it to Mike and Greg. And then uh, you never told us that when we were doing it. <laughs> That's cool. It's a good ride. That's, you know. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, it's an exercise. Yeah, that was the first Maestas song on that, was it? Yeah. I think on the Slapdog yeah, record. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. With more to come, more to come. So, Bob Wright. But then you wrote the lyrics on that, right? Yeah. Uh, you, so, okay, you wrote the music and we had it finished pretty much. And I was like, I think it was one of those things. It was like the last song on the record. What are we going to do? Oh, we got to write lyrics, dude. I put it off, I put it off. And I, this is kind of ridiculous, but I was just talking to this guy the other day about it. Um, these two friends of mine in high school, we were playing some, I can tell you about what we were like in high school. We were playing some really weird role-playing game, like not Traveler, but like uh, I don't know, a Morrow project or some post-apocalyptic thing or something like that. And we were talking about some of the stuff that was said in the song. And so, I mean, in, excuse me, in the game. And somehow these two friends of mine came up with a song called Tactical Air War. They wrote it down. They just wrote some lyrics, and they wrote, you know, hey, let's write a metal song about it called Tactical Air War. And I just remembered that title, Tactical Air War. And, of course, the song never became an actual song. They just wrote a bunch of lyrics down sitting around someone's table, you know, playing some role-playing Back of the game. napkin kind of stuff, you know? What? Back of yeah, the napkin. Yeah, they ended up writing it out, Tactical Air War, but there was no, it wasn't a song. It was just a bunch of lyrics for a song. So when it came time to come up with something for that song, I remember I was like, Tactical Air War. Something about that riff. Don't it sound like something about to me about like some tactical battle thing? I don't know. So I thought tactical air war, and this is the really weird part. I was at, uh, bartending, and at the attic on Twenty Fourth Street, and there was a guy um, named Bob who was like in his late seventies. He used to sit there uh, and drink gin martinis and uh, or martinis. And he was really cool. He was super into history. And he was writing this, he was right on this tablet. He'd write all these notes on history. And he was a funny guy, really educated, cool dude. And he'd come around and he'd go, hey, uh, did you hear about something, something that happened in World War II? And he'd, you know, he'd talk to me about all this historical, like a lot of it military history. So I said, hey, Bob, 
right around the time we were making this song and this record, said, Bob, I'm writing a song called Tactical Air War. Oh, I, I, the, the, the name 22nd Airborne or 25th Air, I don't know anything about this stuff. What should I write it about? That just keeps coming into my head. Like, 22nd Airborne, I don't even know if there is such a thing. And he goes, that's Pappy Boeington. <laughs> you know who that is? No. Yeah, he's this famous pilot uh, from Pappy the 20-something, Boynton. Pappy Boeington. And um, there was a TV show starring Steve McQueen made about uh, the character is Pappy Boeington. Or no, no, not Steve McQueen. Rob, not TV, Robert Conrad. Oh, yeah, yeah, What was yeah. that show called? He plays a, a fighter pilot, oh and he plays God. Pappy Boeington, but I don't remember the name of the show. I don't know, man. You, to, uh, you guys at home, look that up. So that's where it started. This old guy, Bob, who had served in a career or something, was like telling me, yeah, Pappy Boeington, tactical air war. Da, da. And he gave me a bunch of things to sort of, a bunch of words to write down, and I uh, a bunch of ideas. And then some of the lyrics sort of came out of that. And then I just consulted, like, you know, some sci generic sci-fi awesome. idea. You should have like totally given him credit on the record. Well, then I started thinking more sci-fi, like, about uh, airlocks and stuff like that. Yeah, it's still fun to give, like, some dude at the bar credit on your yeah. record. And be like, here, man, put your name on the record. Yeah, no, it would have been. Yeah, Bob, I don't know his name. I don't hope he's still alive. But anyway, anyway, then I called Bob Wright because when we started practicing the song then and I started singing it, I was like, this sounds like a Broke's Helm song, sort of, you know. Uh, it's got that frantic energy yeah it got some yeah. frantic energy to it and i thought yeah, and i want to call it tactical air war and bob wright's super into military history so i thought let me call bob wright so i called up bob wright and i said hey bob do you, uh, the first thing i says do you know who uh, we want you to sing this song do you know who pappy boeington is and he was like oh of course i do you know bob wright <laughs> think about it those pictures you see of them with all the, the, yeah, the yeah. Uh, military garb on and he's like yeah 20 whatever airborne guy he did this and he did that and and and, and uh robert conrad play you know and so he was all into it. So I cool. sent him the lyrics, and then he made all. Uh, he uh, took the way I had written it, and he changed it a little, changed the, the cadence and the rhythm to his own way. He showed up in the studio at Trackworks in South San Francisco, and man, talk about doing your homework! Just that guy out, did right? his homework. Uh, he had it all down, really, and he had slowed it down. See, I was gonna go like, how the lyrics did that go? Down, I was all machine gunning it, you know, like. And he got it. He slowed it down, like to to like a more a more steady sort of long. He sort of elongated the way the lyrics cool. uh, work. He, he, you know, what the hell is? How does that sound go? Let's find out. Let's do it. Yeah, right let's now. play it. Yeah, yeah.
Hey, we got a special guest in the studio. <laughs> or Gates via, via, well, I can't. Hey, what does that mean anyway? Like sleeping pills or something? Gates of slumber? Like. We got Angelo Chungali on the uh, telephone you here. got the Linguini kid from uh, Monterey. Hell yeah, <laughs> I was shaking, you guys. I'm never going to be able to do <laughs> what do you, uh What do you think about Gates of Slumber, The Judge? I love the Gates of Slumber, and I've always liked that song, The Judge. It's a, it's a very cool song. I think, you know, do you remember, how long ago was it when we played three shows with those guys um, in Chicago? And I think it was 2012. Um, oh, geez. I don't know. Well, I, I mean, on the West Coast, it was like, I remember it was like 2011, uh, right, 10 or 11, right. Animal Spirits. I have a poster. Yeah. You do have the poster. So okay. what do you tell us about Carl's well, weight, anyway? Uh-huh. Did he lose some weight? Carl, <laughs> Carl like from Carl Gates of Slumber. Yeah. You know, they actually, uh, they were in Europe, I think, like a month and a half ago, two months ago. Whoa. Um, yeah, I think they came back right before the whole, uh, you know, debacle started. Oh, they got, I didn't know they were together. Uh, I thought they they got another bass player. Yeah, they did. Um, I, I didn't know really. if they're technically together. I think they just did like a reunion tour to, um... I guess uh, celebrate the first album, The Awakening. The Awakening. Yeah. Oh, you mean they're doing like the a, they're doing like one of the, the, the reawakening, if I am correct. So they're at that point where they're doing the nostalgia tour, where they play one there's of their old records. There's some pretty cool footage on YouTube of them rehearsing, and I think some live footage <laughs> as well. And I think they actually have a live album out uh, that Church Within Records just put out. Um, Maybe, uh, you know, it's, I don't know, some show they did like 10 years ago or something like that, so. Right you know, on. Gates of Slumber is hopefully happening, man, and I hope they are, because I fucking dig the shit out of that band. Cool, man. Oh, wait, we'll have to bleep that out, yeah. man. Adrian isn't, like, swearing yeah, on the air. Yeah, try not to no, curse. So you're, you're, uh, <laughs> oh, 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 really? Don't even hold your tongue, man. This is a podcast. So since we're doing this, um, right. and this is your first no time cursing. on the uh, Slough Fig Radio with us, what's what's uh, going on down in Monterey? What? It's a tall order, no cursing. What's going on down in Monterey? Yeah. Nothing, man. Just uh, everybody's staying indoors. I'm still working and I'm driving around all day and there's nobody out and about. Um, Not allowed to have pop festivals uh, anymore, huh? It, it's, it's very doomy in, a, you know, oh, yeah. in that way. It's, uh, you know, I just drive around and listen to St. Vitus and, you know, the music machine and just... So you like job. it. You like it this very, way. very slow. Yeah. Is it, uh, is it hot and sunny down there? Yeah, you know, it gets warm in the afternoon, but this time of the year, Monterey is always really windy, and I, and I hate the wind. Um, it's very... Uh, do you feel like you're against you know, the, the wind? Older I, the older I get, the He's riding I get, on the so wind. I do feel like I'm against the wind, yeah. <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah, that's right. Right on. You're riding on the wind, or he's gonna. You can ride like so the wind, Christopher Dude, Cross. Riding on the wind, yeah, absolutely. I'm driving, I'm riding on the wind. Driving yeah. like the wind. <laughs> All right, what the man. hell did he say? He's driving like the wind. Driving like the wind. You're yeah, driving yeah. like the wind. So you're gonna play budgie next? Is that the deal? Uh, the wind yeah, can drive. I want to play some budgie. Let me. Uh, let me look at the. Um, I think this is actually the budgie that you sent me. It's, um... Yeah, the meanest band to fly out of whales. There's the meanest bird to fly out of whales. Oh, the meanest bird. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, the right. budgie's a mean bird, man. I like that. Um, what do you want for your love? I like that song. Yeah, 
but that's kind of like a fun thing. It's killer, but you want to play something heavy. Okay, Which album has Hot as a Doctor's Armpit on it? Hold on, hold on. Let me look at my budgie records. Um, let's see. I would play, I would play. What song would I play? Uh, Hot as a Doctor's oh Armpit? Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. Hot, Hot as, as a Doctor's Armpit. Armpit is really good. Um, yeah, let's throw it yeah. on, man. Homicidal suicidal is good too. I think uh, I think we all agree is um, hot as a doctor's armpit. So Throw here we go. First, so Here's some budgie. Armpit. All right. Thanks, thanks, Angelo.
got some dust. That stuff's pretty cool, featuring a uh, a young Mark Bell on uh, drums, who uh, later went on to become uh, Marky Ramone. And um, I think uh, what's the other? Richie Wise, I believe, was in that band too. He went on to produce Kiss, I believe, and a number of other things. It's pretty cool. And uh, before that, we heard some Budgie. Uh, we had some uh, some. Had some Angelo Tringali in there to uh, try and, you know, get his uh, words into the podcast. We like to try and get other people going, but uh, the phone, the speaker on my phone, not all that great because, uh, like Mike and I were just talking, you know, neither of us have like iPhones or anything. So, uh, you know, I'm I'm glad we have phones at all. Dust was what? <laughs> glad we have phones at all. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad we have phones. Dust was a New York band, obviously, right? Mm-hmm. Ramones Kiss. I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer. They were popular, man. No, I, I've heard their records before. I don't. I'm not a big. But I mean, back in like what is it, like 70, 71 or something? He I'm was not in sure that band. It probably and, uh, had to be early 70s. Yeah, it was like 70, yeah. 71. He was in that band, and they were together for like four, three or four years. Did he engineer or produce the band too? Uh, no, he, he was Ramones. just playing drums. Oh, okay. And he, um, that was Tommy Ramone. Oh wait, wait, hold on. Who was? Tommy was the Tommy was the original drummer. I know. And Marky came after. Oh, Mar- wait, that was Marky Ramone. Marky Ramone. That's right. That's right. That's Marky right. Okay. Ramone. Yeah, I was confused. And uh, but yeah, Dust was like they were. I wouldn't say huge, but they were doing national tours, playing like thousand seat theaters and stuff like that. And so then when he joined the Ramones, he was like, you know, well I've already done this whole rock and roll tour thing, man. You know, and uh, they were pretty punk rock. And I read his book. His Ramones? book is really good. His, his book is um, really good. He talks about how um, when he was getting sober and stuff that he became a bike messenger in New York City. <laughs> when was that? <laughs> this was not that long ago. This was only like 10 or 15 years ago. That they had bike messengers in New York City 10 or 15 years ago? Still? Yeah. yeah wow. And he, um, he was uh, getting sober and trying to, you know, Kick yeah. the kick the kick the spike and stuff yeah, like people that. People do weird stuff like that in New York, man. Yeah, you know so that Billy Squire has a job. People don't really realize Billy Squire is a New Yorker, and he had a, as a yeah he has a job or he had it last last I heard about it about five years ago. I hope he, he has a job. He had a job. He didn't have to because he does have money. Um, but he had a job landscaping in uh, Central Park. Because he likes getting out there and you yeah, know doing a doing a, a having a routine. I can imagine. I would hate to just sit around and be like, oh, I, you know, I made money off these these hits I had in the '80s, and then now I just kind of sit in the swimming pool and you know. It take, sounds pretty uh, good right know, about now, Mike. Pop goofballs or whatever, you know. Yeah, it right? sounds pretty good right about well, now. Right now, yeah. But he goes landscape. He has a, he has a certain part of Central Park that he is responsible for the landscaping and the upkeep of. Billy Squire, and no one no one recognizes him because he shaved his head and you know. There's a baseball like cap and sunglasses. To. You know, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of. I don't think he has to. You know, you look at. You, would you recognize Billy Squire walking down the street without that hair? No, hell no. He wasn't dancing yeah. around wearing pink, going rock me with no, his Converse yeah. and his torn I jeans. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't right. really recognize him, right? Um, just like just like we were talking last week, just like uh, Peter Frampton. You wouldn't really know right, Peter Frampton from. Him. True. You, know, you might now, but I mean, you might because you've seen pictures of him with, sh- with his bald, short hair now in magazines. But before that, nobody, no one's going to recognize him on the subway or something like that. Right. Anyway, um, yeah, so Slough Fig Radio number six is about to six. wrap up right now, but we're going to play a special treat for you. Once again. Uh, another weird demo that we did. This one, 
Uh, this one really is demo-ish because the music sounds pretty good on it. But there is a very weak scratch vocal by Mike Scalzi. Uh, I just threw down a little scratch vocal that you can you can't hear it very well, so it might be kind of be annoying. But if you could hear it really well, it'd probably be even worse. So, so we we did a song by Thin Lizzy. Um, it's kind of cool because it's uh, you know I, Mike and I never know what each other's going to bring in, and uh, Mike brought in a CD <coughs> that says uh, well, you're not June. Not supposed to admit it's a CD. Well, it says June. We're not totally <laughs> like you know. I mean, I wish we could be all vinyl. We're going to have time. vinyl of our demos now. It's yeah, supposed to be a reel to reel track, man. A reel to reel. Yeah, this was reel to reel, but this is from was. June two thousand and nine, and it has my handwriting on it. Yeah. And when I when you first brought in, I was looking at it going, yeah. "What's that?" And it says that woman's yeah, going to bring. I recognize heart. my handwriting, and uh, <laughs> I, you know, to tell you the truth, I don't know where the mixes of these are. I know I, that's what sucks about it, but it sounds decent. I just wish I could do a vocal on it. But it, we did. That woman's gonna break your heart. I'll look for the uh, I'll look for the the master and then see Lizzie. if I can find it, and then uh, maybe we'll throw a vocal down yeah. on it and produce it. We did it live a bunch of times that summer too. One time at the Oh, with Bible of the Devil. Air Horn of pa Air yeah. Horn of Power at Cobra Lounge or something like that. Yeah, I remember. And uh, some friends of mine told me, "Oh, you can't do that song, man. It's too personal." <laughs> I'm serious. What? Are you really? It's a breakup song, man. It's so important or, or it's, you know, blah blah blah. And I said, "I don't think Phil would disapprove." I don't think he's rolling in his grave. You know, yeah, the plane is going to break your heart. You know. That's cool uh, stuff. Well, yeah, so uh, episode six, um, on, thanks for listening. Uh, make sure you uh, check out all the bands that we've, you know, people have been emailing me, and I don't know if you've been getting the same emails about, like, oh, you know, will you guys write down the, oh, yeah, uh, the write down list the of the songs yeah, and stuff? Yeah, maybe we should do that. Well, yeah. we're talking about it, so, like, that's why you were... People can, if they listen, they, yeah, they write can. write it down yourself. Yeah. What the hell, you know? Yeah, if we're you're listening. Listen through and write the names yeah, of the songs down. Yeah, keep yeah. a pen. <laughs> keep your keep your pen and paper handy because you never know what kind of they information. Really want me to meticulously go through. I could probably remember a lot of them, but I mean. I can't. Yeah. You know, keep your pen and paper handy yeah, yeah. because you never know what kind of things are going to come out on the Slough Radio podcast. <laughs> See you next week.